Hi, I'm Marcus Warner. Chris Corsi. And uh, we're back uh, talking about the four habits of joy-filled people. Last time we talked a little bit about, you know, the neuroscience, where that came from, Dr. Alan Shore, Dr. Jim Wilder. We talked about uh, the importance of building a, a joy house in the inside world instead of a fear house. So in this episode, we want to talk about laying the foundation. That is, there is an essential, two, there are two essential habits that every joy-filled person has. It's like, you can do this study wherever... And people often ask, is this cross-cultural? Like, does it matter if you're from, you know, an Asian culture or an Indian culture or an African culture or European culture? You know, does, it, does this transfer? So what, how would you answer that? Yeah. Uh, the good news is the, the brain is the organ that's really that we're after training. So, yeah, you might run into some cultural, you know, issues. But the good news is no matter where people are on this planet, joy changes the brain right and the reality too is that the exercises might look a little different from culture to culture but what's happening in the brain is the same and that is we're still trying to grow certain parts of the brain still trying to connect certain neurons in the brain still trying to create the same chemical reactions and things like this right so it does transfer uh, uh, across and this is something that's applicable to anybody as long as they're human so, yeah, that's right. And yeah. toddlers around the world, no matter right. the culture, toddlers will light up with joy when they when they feel like they're the sparkle in someone's eyes. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And uh, and so maybe you've had the experience of going to a culture that is in poverty. They just don't have what most Americans have. It's like what we would consider a house in poverty would be a nice house in some of these neighborhoods. Yeah. And yet, how often have we seen, uh, been around these people, and they smile easily, they laugh easily, uh, they invite you in, they're very hospitable, there's a lot of joy in spite of of this. And I'm like, how is this possible? Because I think in America, we tend to equate joy with having a good life, having everything ordered in my world and an abundance of everything I need. So what we're finding out from, from those folks is actually joy has much more to do with what's going on on the inside. That's right. And particularly relational happiness. Now, I'm sure a lot of uh, folks who listen to this struggle with joy, right? They struggle with even knowing, uh, like we've tended to be taught that I I need to survive first. And then if I survive, then I'll, I'll start growing some competence. And then once I get past that, the icing on the cake is joy. That's sort of the way we're used to thinking of it. But in this book, we're teaching that joy is actually the fuel that drives our lives, that from the very beginning, we got to figure out how to get this this house in our inner world oriented to joy instead of fear. So now I know you've told the story about your wife, Jen, and she did not start off a high joy person, right? But now she's training people, right? How to live with joy. So tell us a little bit about that story, how she made that transformation. You know, my uh, mind, Jen, is just a walking picture, walking billboard of joy, right? Um, Because in Jen's story, she, there was a little bit of joy, but there wasn't that ability to like recover with rest and peace that you talked about last time. And so we have to um, build some joy and then we have to be able to quiet ourselves. And so what was happening with Jen is she wasn't quieting herself in order to sustain the joy and to keep that glad to be together and it's going. So she was just high energy, go, 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 go. She was until she collapsed, basically. And so highly functioning, you know, straight A student in college, but when she would crash, like the bottom would drop out and then she was down and and that was hard. So there was this pattern. She didn't know how to change it, Marcus, and she Mm -hmm. just kept going. It's like trying 
to drive with the accelerator pressed all the time. And, yeah. You know, not using yeah. How do you stop the car when the accelerator is on all the time, yeah. right? That's it. Well, and I think that's a great analogy because sometimes like uh, when there are high energy negative emotions, yeah. which would be fear and anger, right? Yeah. Fear and anger, they're, the yeah. two, they're like slamming on the accelerator. Right. Uh, and then you've got these low energy emotions that suck the life out of you. That's like stepping on the brakes of the car. And those would be shame, sadness. Yeah disgust uh you know despair, despair. Yep. right so what sometimes happens is you get people who have the accelerator and the brake on emotionally yeah, speaking rough. right yep. and their body literally can start shaking yep. Yep. because it's like I, I i can't i can't live like this and and so what happens is if i'm trying to quiet and calm and my accelerator is down all of the time mm -hmm. it can be impossible yeah. right it's like literally can be impossible for me to quiet so i've got to learn some skills Right. on how do I break some of this and how would I do that? And that's why I say there yeah. are two essential yes. habits, right? So the first two habits of joy-filled people we're going to talk about today. And the first one is calming. Now, you may also have heard this talked about as quieting, right? So quieting yeah. or calming. We use calming because we wanted our four habits to spell CASA, right. C-A. <laughs> right? We needed the C. We needed the C. <laughs> so we made the quieting, calming, appreciating, storytelling, yeah. and then uh, attacking toxic yeah. thinking. So those are the four habits. So this is one we're talking about. The, the two that lay the foundation are calming and appreciating. So tell us a little bit about like, why do calming and appreciation go together? Why do we pair those up? Yeah, that, and that is important. These two go together well, Marcus, because, you know, in, in Jen's case, a lot of us have a hard time quieting, right? So Jen just didn't know how to calm. She only knew that accelerator. So what helped Jen learn to calm was actually practicing appreciation. And so appreciation is really what kind of helps us learn to use the brakes. And so we can tap the brake and we reflect on those gifts, those special moments of joy. And so when we start to reflect on those special moments of joy, what happens is appreciation helps us enter into that calming and that quieting. So they go together because it's, it, it basically charges our battery, right? So appreciation and calming. Appreciation helps us calm. Calming helps us be able to grow more joy. So these two are foundational. Yeah. So when I think of like somebody might say, well, I'm good at appreciation. You know, I'm, I'm very appreciative. I always say thank you. Right. So what's the difference of like saying thank you and actually entering into a state of appreciation? How would you describe the difference? Yeah, that is a good question. And, and we do have to make that distinction. And so what appreciation is, it is the purposeful action of reflecting on joyful moments. So it's more than just being polite. Appreciation is, OK, we're going to take two minutes and let's think about some highlights from our week and let's think about a highlight from our day and so when you remember those moments marcus what happens is you 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 access those memories your brain responds as though you're reliving that moment all over again so when i remember you know having coffee with you yesterday then what happens is my brain nervous system respond as though I went back in time and I'm reliving that all over again. So yeah. my body feels more peaceful. Yeah, you know, especially if you got shared experiences. Like if we had both played Little League together and we were going back say, hey, remember that game when, you oh, know, yeah. this happened, that happened. It's like we could both be back there. We could yeah. both be. And so I can experience a certain level of joy just by revisiting happy memories. But if we can share those happy memories, and have you ever been at a table, you go around and, and you kind of tell like stories like, oh, yeah, I remember when we went to the beach and this happened and, I, you know, and then you go around and there is just a, a an energy that begins to flow because we just spent half an hour, yeah. right, with relational happiness, having joy together. 
And what happens then is peace comes yes. much more that's easily it. once yeah. you have had that kind of a high energy joy. That's right. And that's the key, Marcus. That's what we want people to experience. And that is the fruit on that tree. Whereas we feel the peace, we feel calmer, we feel more refreshed, we feel restored. And that really creates the foundation that we can build on, which we'll talk about a little later. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I <laughs> There was this quirky show like Duck Dynasty, oh, yeah. and I remember people used to say, you got to watch that show, you got to watch that show. And I watched the first part of it. I was like, this is, this is like really stupid. <laughs> but, but then but they get to the end of this show, and the... Uh, uh, it kind of gets it kind of gets to you. These, yeah. these are such interesting yeah, people, right? Yeah. But at the end of every episode, they would gather around a table, multi generational, yes, around right. a table, and they. It doesn't matter at that point whether you had a good day or a bad day, almost because you know you're going to be with your people. Yeah. You know you're going to be able to share the uh, uh, share whether it was good or whether it was bad, and you're all going to be happy to be together. And sharing that relational joy makes it so much easier than to quiet and to sleep at it night. Does. What a way to end the day, Marcus. And if you can expect that every day, no matter where in the day you go, no matter what happens, you know at the end of the day you're going to be with your people, reflecting on the day, being glad to be together. You are going to feel peaceful. You're going to feel refreshed. What a what a great way to end our day. Now, I can already hear people going, but I don't have that, right? Because let's face it, it's an epidemic problem right now. It's yeah. like that used to be common yeah, in, sure. uh, in cultures all over the world to kind of end the day with your multi-generational family, to have this extended time together. Uh, but it's, it's become rare. A lot of us yeah. are very isolated. We live our lives largely alone. We're in front of a screen all day. We get to the end of the day and it's just me and I'm watching TV until I collapse or I'm reading a book until I collapse. It's like if I'm an individual and I'm by myself and I don't have that, I've got to, I've got to actually start being intentional about looking for it, don't I? Because it, it, and, I, and one of the ways we do this is by looking for anybody in my life I can share a little bit of joy with. That's right. Yeah, like it could be the barista at the coffee shop. Good. That's right? right. Just share a little bit of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Jen and I were out at dinner on a date night the other night, and uh, we were just really appreciating um, and, and just glad to be with our server. And at one point, she turned to us and said, you, you two are just refreshing. Thank you for being so kind to me. And I yeah. thought... I'm sure she had some different responses sometimes. Oh, and, yeah. You know, how easy it was just to be, just have gratitude and be thankful for her and enjoy her. No, I experienced like that, uh, I think, uh, Valentine's Day a couple mm -hmm. days ago. I came in, and you could tell they were just slammed with special oh, orders. Yeah. And uh, we had uh, picked it up to go and to take it. Uh, and I t looked at this lady, and you could just tell, mm -hmm. like, she just looked like a deer in the headlights. Oh. And... Uh, so I went out of my way, right, to try to spread a little bit of joy, to try to get her to smile, to try to connect. And even while we were doing that, some guy came in and just lit her up for, you know, and it's something that clearly wasn't her fault, clearly wasn't the other. So I stayed, right, and, and, and it kind of even helped her through that. And you could wow. just see, she even said, it's like, I feel like, you know, this has given me what I need to get through this shift. I'm going to be okay now. Well, that's an interesting insight into resilience, isn't it? Yes, that it is. that in order for us to have the resilience to go through hard things, we need a certain amount of relational joy. Yeah. 
And so if I don't have that, right, it's like if I don't have it coming naturally to me from other people, it becomes doubly important that I learn to practice these habits for myself. So these two habits are calming and appreciating. Can you explain briefly why quieting is so important, what it is? Yeah, so quieting is when you take that relational pause. You, you take a deep breath. Quieting is really ultimately about taking a deep breath and breathing. And what that does is it quiets your mind. It, it quiets your body. And this can be a relational like thing, right? It doesn't mean I have to necessarily leave the interaction. It just means I'm taking a moment to pause. And it's that pause that really kind of recalibrates your nervous system. It prepares you for more joy. But if we don't take that pause, even joy, a good thing, becomes overwhelming. And that's what we're trying to. Well, I've heard it described this way, like too much joy is like too much tickling. Yes. Right? It's it's there, you know, it goes from being fun to actually traumatizing yeah, if you true. don't know when to quit. And so part of uh, uh, life is recognizing the rhythm that I need a break. This people I'm with need a break. Right? We need to pause right now. Just take a deep that's breath, right. right, and move forward. So... Um, part of calming, we talk about best practices for calming in the book, and that's breathing in a box, right? The military yeah, even teaches right. this about inhaling for a four count, holding it for a four count. Exhale for four, yeah. Yeah, exhale Good. for four, hold it. That's uh, breathing in a box, exaggerating emotions before you try to calm them. You ever notice yeah. just saying, would you just calm down? Doesn't yeah. really help. Yeah, it doesn't really work. No, it's actually you got to increase it just a little bit, and then it's easier. And so we're okay. like, exaggerate the emotion breathe yes. and then soothe. soothe and by soothing yeah. i often picture like rubbing uh, it right yeah. out or you know squeezing the arms right. yeah and rubbing and i picture myself rubbing the tension out of my yeah, body I like that right and then you can also just tense and release various parts of your body and it helps what it's what part of what's going on there is that when emotions take over my i feel out of control of my body and so these quieting or calming exercises, in a sense, are giving me back control of my body yeah. from my emotions. Yeah. So those best practices, again, that was breathe in a box, exaggerate the emotions, soothe, soothe, and then tense and release different parts of your body. We find that those are just simple habits that people can do. So we got some exercises yeah. related to uh, calming they as do. well. Yeah. And, and that's important, Marcus, because that's really that body is the canvas for our brain, right? So I love those practices that you just mentioned, because really it's helping us to be able to live in this body, hold on to peace and joy and be able to feel refreshed. So I also tell people, Marcus, to set aside their phone. About two thirds of us hold our breath when we pick up our phone. <laughs> and so if you want to quiet, put your phone aside, just, you know, just set it aside for a few moments, take some deep breaths, do the best practices and notice how you feel. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, and I've also heard Dr. Wilder say that quieting is the number one predictor of stable emotional health. Yeah, that's right. And that is if, uh, that if you look at a study of who are the people who are the most resilient, who are the people who can bounce back from upsetting emotions, the number one skill that they've learned is how to quiet. The number one habit that they've developed is calming. And so that's why this is so important. Yeah. And uh, what we're trying to do is help people understand there's a, uh, you can do this in the moment, you can do this throughout the day, but we all need a rhythm to life. In fact, some of the cultures in the world that have been studied and shown to be uh, the happiest cultures in the world are generally characterized by this idea of multi-generation. Yes. They're characterized by a relational rhythm. 
Like they know that uh, a couple times a week they're going to get together with friends. Every Sunday they're going to get together with extended family, right? They uh, they work. Yeah, they they like to say we work to live, we don't live to work. Yeah, you know. Good. Or I've heard somebody say uh, one time that Americans uh, that we uh, we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. Wow, <laughs> yeah, good. and it's kind of that. It's accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of this idea that we're trying to reverse this. How do we uh, find this rhythm to yeah. life that allows us to, to quiet and to calm? Yeah, and that that right there, Marcus, changes everything, right? And that's why we put these practices in our book, these joy workouts, as we call them, because ultimately we just need to take a little time, practice it, so these become habits. Yeah. So let's talk about appreciation a little bit. Then I've heard it said that the fastest way to increase joy Right. If you're like, how, what's the fastest way for me to grow my joy? It is the practice of appreciation. Yeah. In fact, they did a right. study at a major university where they had uh, people who were um, being treated for anxiety and dis- depression, and they did the exact same treatments with both groups. The only difference was that Group B, mm. they had them all write, take a half an hour mm. every day to write a letter of appreciation to someone. They didn't have to send it, but they had to get their head into that space of appreciation, just writing a letter of appreciation. You can imagine the results here were like 30% better results than this group Mm. over here, even though all of them were doing some sort of therapy Mm. work together. So it was just interesting to me that that, uh, I've seen this again and again, that appreciation is the fastest way to grow our joy. So can you give us a little take on... um, why? I mean, what is appreciation doing in the brain, yeah. right, that makes this so effective? Yeah, you know, appreciation does a number of things. One of the things it does is it wakes up our brain's relational center, right? So when you practice appreciation, you're you're reliving that moment that affects your mind, your attention, your thoughts, your feelings, your body. Like, appreciation activates the best parts of your brain, who you are. And when that those centers are on, basically, you can look around and you can smell the flowers, you can see the good stuff. And it doesn't mean you you ignore the hard stuff. It just means, as Marcus would say, you bounce back from the hard stuff. And so appreciation really primes us for joy. So taking a few moments to practice appreciation primes you. And if you're practicing with people, it primes your friends also to build more joy. So appreciation is just one of those skills it changes your brain and it really it trains the brain to scan the environment for the good stuff and that's what we're after here yeah no it's really is helpful i i found uh i remember i was going through a tough season in my life and i was looking to build some joy and somebody uh suggested that i just uh not just drink my morning coffee, but you know, put it in my favorite mug mm. and hold the mug and enter into the experience and really try to appreciate this. And I thought, okay, you know, I made myself a, this coffee. I'm holding the the cool ceramic mug and mm. I'm going ah. And then it took like two seconds, and I had this. Well, this is the stupidest thing <laughs> I've ever done, right? Because if you're not used to doing this, yeah, it, it's how it feels. It feels artificial, <laughs> it right? Does. It feels yeah. it feels fake. Like, yeah. why am I pretending that I'm so excited about right. this cup of coffee? Because in my mind, what I was doing is I was thinking like scales. Like, well, the problems in my life have the scales doing this. Yeah. And you're asking this stupid cup of coffee to yeah. fix all that? Yeah. But that's not really what we're talking about, is it? It's like we're not asking, you know, just the the joy of flowers, you know, to offset all of the evil in the world. That would be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. So one of the pictures that helps me a little bit is in the battle in the movie The Last Samurai. Mm, Yes. The um, the leader of the samurai village 
is uh, he's they're losing everything, right? They're losing their way of life. The 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 government is changing. Uh, if they're about to go into a battle in which he knows they'd have no chance of, of winning, and yet he takes the time to walk through these cherry blossoms and to enjoy the cherry blossoms, mm-hmm. and he still takes his time to quiet. And one of and, and that's kind of what we're talking about. How are you able to deal with such big, huge things in life? It's because you are also good at detaching from them, quieting yourself from them, and practicing appreciation. And so that that picture always stuck with me. Is that's a really good representation. We call it, you know, being able to stop and smell the flowers, even right. though all this other stuff's still going yeah, on. Yeah, that's right. And that skill alone, Marcus, that is just changed my family you know we make this a practice at at meals we make this a practice on the drive to school taking our kids to school it it changes the day it changes how you feel and it really puts some charge in your battery so that you can better navigate that hard stuff so now we do this so like i'll take my cup of coffee and i'm getting better at this now i can do it for more than yeah. two seconds <laughs> where i can actually like okay i know why i'm doing this I enjoy this. I sometimes will describe it as the difference between noticing there's a pretty sunset yeah. and taking five minutes to sit down and watch the sunset. Mm-hmm. So what we encourage people to do five minutes a day, twice a day, maybe three times a day for five consecutive minutes, Good. getting your, your mental space into a place of appreciation. So like, you know, for Christians, that makes sense because, you know, we're told to praise God and have gratitude and things like this. So it's a natural fit. But this works for any human brain, right? Because we're talking about appreciation helps us grow that capacity and and increase that wiring. Yeah. And it's so simple. You know, I tell people like, it's so simple. It just takes a little bit of practice so that we remember to do it. And I always like to invite people like after they practice appreciation. So after you would, you know, enjoy Mm -hmm. that cup of coffee, I'd say, now, Marcus, you know, notice how that feels in your body. How, what did you notice when you practiced it? And and what that does is that's helping our attention, our brain's attention, to notice the effects of appreciation. And so we find what's satisfying, and we find what's meaningful, and we notice what's special. And so just even pausing to notice what's the effect of appreciation, that little step can go a long way. And we do that in these exercises in our book. That's good. Well, in this episode, then, what we've been trying to do is talk about the two, the first two habits of joy-filled people and how that forms a foundation for the joy house inside. Because when I want to detach from the world and I'm going to go into this inner house, inner world where I live, I want that to be a place where I can quiet and where I can reflect on memories that bring me joy. And if I can spend five, 10 minutes in a place of quiet and joy, it really helps my nervous system, right? It really helps me realize I'm going to be okay, right? No matter how much chaos there is, no matter how big my problems are, if I can get back to those foundational places where I feel the quiet and I can feel the joy that comes from appreciation, my brain kind of learns you're gonna be okay, you're gonna get through this, it's gonna be all right. So, well, if this has been helpful to you, I hope that you'll join us for our next episode. We're going to take a look at a a secret habit that most people would not associate with resilience. But this uh, this is a a key that I think people who have really figured out how to bounce back from difficult things are really good at this next habit. So I hope you'll join us uh, for our next episode. In the meantime, go to fourhabits.org where you'll see all three of our books, uh, The Four Habits of Building... Uh, 
what, what is it? Yeah, yeah our, 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 the books we wrote, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the four. <laughs> you got a lot of good books, yeah. Marcus. <laughs> the four habits of joy-filled people, the four habits of joy-filled marriages, uh, the four habits of raising joy-filled kids. We've also got a 28-day challenge there where Chris is putting together some exercises to help you jumpstart the process of growing your own joy house and building it uh, so that it's someplace you love to visit again and again. Mm-hmm.